This is News Talk 980 CKNW. Tensions still high, still words flying back and forth between North Korea and the United States. Uh, Many are wondering how concerned should Canada be? We know Christian Freeland, uh, our foreign affairs minister, uh, talked briefly yesterday or a couple of days ago about uh, the fact that Canada had had a couple of informal meetings uh, with North Korean officials. So that, I think, has offered some people a bit of a glimmer of hope, but there is still plenty of concern. Now, joining us on the line to talk a bit more about this is Elliot Tepper, a professor at Carleton University. Professor, thank you so much for being with us this morning. Good morning, Joe. Good morning. How concerned do you think Canada should be over what's happening, simmering between North Korea and the United States? We should certainly be watchful. This is an era, a moment of heightened tension, particularly heightened tension over nuclear matters. Uh, we thought we were out of that after the end of the Cold War, but it does look uh, as if we now have with China and India, uh, also carrying on some kind of activity on their border in Bhutan. Now North Korea, there's always a possibility in in India-Pakistan relations. I'm concerned, Joe, basically uh, that the nuclear threshold, my personal threat perception, has gone up a a considerable notch. uh, That is worth watching. But in terms of an imminent, um, you know, duck and cover, that sort of thing, no. I think heeding Rex Tillerson's advice, everybody can get a good night's sleep, is good advice. So it's not so much this idea of threats specifically to Guam in the, in the near future, it's the overall state of where we are with nuclear weapons? Yes, we've, we've unfortunately kicked up a notch on the threat to the globe. Remember, this is a threat to our existence as a species on the planet in terms of unleashing the nuclear Jeannie, remember, we're just now at the 72nd anniversary of the dawn of the nuclear age in Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So that is a concern. I think in terms of what, where we are in Korea, it looks as if we are in the pre-negotiation stage. We are in the posturing stage. We are in the stage yet of a pre-crisis, but keeping in mind the volatility of the area, and the high stakes, it could be tipped into a real crisis any spark in a tinderbox is, uh, is possible and of great concern then. Uh, how much of a concern as well is it that we, we have a president of the United States where in the past we, we would have presidents who wouldn't, uh, wouldn't respond to uh, something that the North Korean leader said, wouldn't, wouldn't even wouldn't, uh, do that, whereas now we have a president who is doing that and doing it on Twitter? Yes, uh, <laughs> there's multiple reactions to all of that. Uh, one is that this seems to be uh, fulfilling Hillary Clinton's prophetic comment that anybody you can bait with a tweet should not be led anywhere near the nuclear button. And certainly, whatever their capacities, North Korea's capacities in ICBMs and nuclear miniaturization, and uh, that's what's actually caused the, the current crisis. They've apparently achieved that. They are masters of invective, and they are masters of, of brinkmanship. But the problem is we have a situation where misperception or mistakes could lead to just, as the Secretary of Defense Mattis keeps saying, catastrophic results. One of the things, Joe, we must emphasize is that while we in North America face a potential distant and hypothetical threat, South Korea and Japan have an imminent existential threat uh, in terms of war that could break out any 
spark now that leads to an exchange could spiral out into uncontrollable, unpredictable outcomes. So let's hope that we are indeed in a pre-negotiation stage and that what you hear from the American president is the art of the deal. First you soften up the opposition, then you sit down and negotiate the best deal possible. That's a hopeful, a hopeful interpretation. Mm -hmm. Uh, What about the role of China and uh, China, which does control for the most part uh, the economy of North Korea? What role do they play in this? They've just let it be known uh, quite directly and bluntly that they are not going to back North Korea if North Korea launches anything that leads to problems. they, they, They are not going to be there for them. But if the Americans end up doing anything to change what China sees as the strategic balance, in their neighborhood, they will prevent it from happening. That's a very ominous threat from China. Clearly, some kind of back-channel communications must be going on because they're secret. We don't know about it. That has to involve China, probably Russia. I'm very unimpressed, frankly, with the Chinese and the Russian um, publicly visible solutions, which was a double suspension. The ICBM test will be, a nuclear test will be suspended by North Korea, and America will, and its allies will suspend the kind of massive demonstrations, the joint military exercises, which are due to start once again on August 21st. These are non-starters. You know, that's the best those two powers can do. And if that's all they are doing, then it does raise the risk level. And when you talk about the geography of it as well, and there's been a lot of talk of in Canada that we would be in in missile striking range, yeah. but do we tend to to look over the fact that, like you said, South Korea and Japan are in, in far more vulnerable positions? And more imminently. Uh, they do have an existential threat right now. Yes, uh, obviously if the long-range plans of North Korea are to have long-range striking capacity to threaten the North American mainland, that's us. There's no particular reason to think they would target uh, Canada, but their missiles would have to fly over Canada. They may not be so accurate. So there is genuine concern. Should Canada now join some kind of formal missile defense shield? Uh, There's two problems with that. One is those shields don't seem to work all that well, and so investing in it might not work. And the second is that Canada has stayed out of that specifically because we did not want to increase the risk of um, destabilizing something like a mutually assured destruction uh, scenario. So Canada does have excellent reasons. Remember, we also have two main concerns here. One is the general Canadian commitment to a nuclear-free, a nu- uh, nuclear-free world and also to prevent Canadian citizens from feeling uh, harmed, feeling threatened, But also we have commitments to international humanitarian uh, civil uh, order. That's very much threatened by what's going on right now. Again, I think we're in a pre-crisis situation in regard to what's going on with Korea and America, but it could tip into crisis, and Canada definitely would be involved in that case. So does Canada have to balance then, uh, and again with Christa Freeland uh, meeting, uh, not, uh, there weren't formal talks, but she did uh, meet with some representatives of North Korea. Uh, she, she stressed as well that Canada is an ally of the United States. Does yes. Canada now have to, to walk this kind of balancing act? Yes, if, her, her comment was very strong. If America is threatened, we will be there with them. And that's a, a very strong statement. 
Canada had a power team, I think this hasn't been appreciated enough, in the region in the last week. Uh, Christia Freeland not only was meeting at the Southeast Asian Nations Summit, where she did have some bilateral chats, not just with North Korea, but China, Japan, and others, but also we have an ongoing dialogue. The second meeting of it was just this week, where Christia Freeland was in Beijing, and she could uh, press, and I'm sure she did press Canada's viewpoints and concerns. We also had Daniel Jean, the security and intelligence advisor to the Prime Minister of Canada, successfully negotiating the release of a Canadian-Korean uh, Pastor Lim. Was that a signal from North Korea that they are open to negotiation? Was it a signal that Canada's effective in these kinds of environments? Certainly was a good sign, especially for Pastor Lim. Uh, in, the, in the immediate future, what do you see uh, unfolding, or what would be the best-case scenario to unfold in the next couple of weeks? Stasis. Uh, no change. We have coming up on the 21st of August the annual massive joint military exercises with uh, North Korea, I'm sorry, South Korea and the United States. Those have traditionally been seen by North Korea as a threat to invasion. I think, you know, they should, uh, North Korea should not at this point be launching missiles toward Guam when America, in fact, has a great firepower with the South Koreans. And they also, U.S. just um, had joint exercises with Japan. Uh, China's got to be nervous about that as well as North Korea. The real message has come from the United States Secretary of State to North Korea, but really aimed at China as well, that uh, the United States does not consider North Korea an enemy. They do not want to change the status quo in terms of unification. So all of those were good messages. The American message from the president was much more you'd better not misbehave or else. That message was aimed at North Korea. It was certainly aimed at China to get them to do more, use their leverage, but it was also aimed at Donald Trump's base. The Republican base is far more in favor of a military response uh, than the general population in the United States, 74% of Republicans. So this, I think, is an added layer of complexity, if not concern. Professor Tepper, we'll have to leave it there, but thank you so much for your time this morning. I appreciate you coming on the show. Oh, certainly, Joe. Thank you for the invitation. Vancouver's News, Vancouver's Talk. This is News Talk 980 CKNW.